My name is Matt Avery. I'm, a, I'm the pastor of Midtown West. I'm still getting used to saying that. I'm really excited to get to say that. Um, thanks for being here this morning. We're, uh, this is our last Sunday talking about uh, what it is to be the priesthood of all believers. That's something that God says from beginning to end in his word is that uh, we are a kingdom of priests. We are a royal priesthood. And so what does that mean? Because normally when we hear the word priest, we're conditioned to think of some, something very specific, and, and God's talking about something totally different. And the, uh, the working definition that we've been using throughout this series of what it is to be a priest, what is a priest, is it's someone who is close to God and who invites other people into that closeness. Someone who is close to God and invites others into that closeness. And uh, so we've talked about what it is, you know, starting from the beginning, that Adam and Eve were the first priests with God, and, and that garden was the, the first temple where they were meeting with him, and he invited them to garden with him throughout all of his creation. Come and bring abundant life. Come and bring flourishing everywhere. And then sin ruined that and, and just separated us from God, separated us from that work, and now we enter into the world selfishly, wanting to build our own kingdoms. And so, so the Lord has set out throughout human history to redeem us and to bring us back and invite us to garden with him again for his purposes, for his kingdom, for our good, for abundant life, for flourishing. And, uh, and so this week we're talking about how this happens, our priestly work happens in a community of priests. We're a kingdom of priests. So this is, uh, being a priest is a team sport. And so we're talking about what that means to do that in community and also that the Lord has given us all that we need to do our work, to do our priestly work. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us and then read the passage, and we're going to jump in. Father, uh, Lord, we're, we're here because you've called us here. Lord, we're here because we're yours and uh, because you are, are working your good out in our lives. Lord, we just want to pause here because there's so few places that we pause in our week to really think and be present and just collect our, our thoughts and be be fully here in this moment. So Father, I pray that you would give us the gift of keeping us here in this moment, Lord, that you would not allow our, our minds and hearts to follow the rabbit trails into yesterday and the things that we wished happened differently, the things that we're ashamed of or embarrassed about. Uh, don't let us go into the future, Lord, all the things that we need to do, the, the productivity wheels turning. Lord, I pray that you'd shut those down right now. I pray that you would take away the, the fears and the anxieties about things that are on the horizon and just allow us to be fully present with you. Lord, you, you are good, and, and this is exactly where we need to be. And if we could see and, and know um, un, unencumbered, if we, could, if we could just see as you see, we would know that this is the place that we most need to be here with you. And so let us enjoy being here. Let us not miss the gift of you and what you're doing here in our presence. And Lord, we ask that you would not leave us unchanged. That you would use your word in this experience of worshiping you with your people uh, to change us and uh, to keep your promises to make us more like you and to continue to mature us and grow us and free us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so this morning we're in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 26. We're talking about spiritual gifts. I'm going to read this for us. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. 
There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts don't require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of the Lord. Um, okay, so three things we're going to talk about. First, manifestation of the Spirit. What is that? It's a manifestation of the Spirit. Uh, second is, uh, I'm going to call it, don't get it twisted. And then the third is uh, just walking in our gifts. And so, first, the manifestation of the Spirit. Um, he says here, Paul, that there's a variety of gifts, and each one's given a manifestation of the Spirit for a common good. We're all made to drink of one Spirit. So uh, we want to start here and say that we each are made uniquely to reflect the glory of God in this world. Um, there's so much variety. If we go back to the garden, remember that God is all about abundant life. He's all about flourishing. He's all about a variety and, and a variety of colors and kinds and everything. And so it would make sense that all of his glory that can't be contained in any one of us, um, we are going to reflect different parts of who he is because we are this beautiful, uh, it's, it's not like primary colors, that there's red, yellow, and blue, we all fit into one of those categories. It's like the color wall at Home Depot. It's like every shade imaginable, and we are all coming together to reflect together the fullness of who this God is. Um, the Spirit of God takes on a certain shape and flavor in each of us. When I was in seminary, there was a definition of preaching that I loved, and I think this, it applies to, to this here too. It's a that the Word of God, uh, preaching is the Word of God passing through a personality. Um, that when any of us Midtown pastors or any pastor anywhere who's preaching the gospel is up preaching the Word, it's going to be different because we're different, because God made us different. And His Word that is unchanging is passing through me who has a very specific personality. And uh, the same is true for us. We are all 
manifesting the Spirit. God is making Himself known. That's what a manifestation is. Um, the definition here for manifestation is it's causing something to be fully known by revealing it clearly and in detail. So God, is His desire and His will and what He is doing, whether we know it or not, is He is making Himself fully known in great detail and variety through all of us. Uh, God is passing through our personalities, and all of us collectively together are reflecting the full glory of God. That's amazing. That is so amazing. It's like that, you know, we, we talked in the first week about um, gardening a lot, uh, about being in the garden with God, and, and I, I mentioned watching this um, documentary on this crazy garden which defied every definition I've ever heard of a garden in my life because it's like 20 acres and it includes like mountains and forests but all this was cultivated and it was this just amazing garden and it's like taking uh, each of us is like a a plant that's unique and exotic and and different and you take that plant out of the garden and and the plant in its own way reflects the fullness uh, of the beauty of that garden but it also takes the entire garden to, to see all of the varieties and colors and the fullness of that garden. Um, so we each contain the Holy Spirit. We each contain the, the beauty, and we all point to God individually, but it's really when all of us are working together in the world that God's presence is, is fully known and fully felt by this world. And, uh, and we need every gift that God gives us through each other because we're just desperately needy. The world is desperately needy, but we are also desperately needy. And if you look at this list of gifts here that Paul has, this is not an exhaustive list. Anywhere in Scripture where Paul is listing spiritual gifts, um, these are not specific uh, exhaustive lists of the spiritual gifts. It's just Paul sharing, here's some examples. And if you look at this list that he's given us, um, really what this is is it's Jesus because we're the body of Christ. And so this work is the work of Jesus. And we're continuing that work. It's Jesus continuing to do his work through us. And, and you and I need every single thing on this list. Um, we need wisdom. We need knowledge. We need understanding. We need healing. We need mercy. We need to believe God's promises. We need encouragement. We need protection. We need healing and restoration. We need all of these things. We need supernatural miracles. <laughs> Because we need the supernatural miracle of God bringing life from death. Because, again, being separated from him, it is only through the blood of Jesus that we're being reunited with him. It is only God through Jesus that can make dead people live again. And so all of these gifts are just a manifestation of Jesus and his work. You know, in the garden, God said, come and garden with me. Come and work out abundant life and flourishing everywhere throughout the whole world. And then when, when we separated ourselves from God, he sent Jesus in this plan of redemption to say, now gardening has a different flavor. Um, now we're still working out abundant life. We're still creating, but we're also redeeming and restoring because of what sin has done. And so now Jesus is working out his good work in the world through us. And it's that original of of bringing abundant life and creating, but it's also the restoration and redemption that's now required in this world that's been marred by sin and in our own lives and hearts. And here's here's something that's really um, good news, and some of y'all maybe are hearing this for the first time this morning, 
But what this means is that we have been given these manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. And and the common good means everywhere. It means within the church, and it means outside of the church. It means for the world. And so you and I, the, the only place, like we can't limit the manifestation of these spirits, the working out of these spiritual gifts that God's given us to, to the church. That's not the only place. It's in all of our lives. And so what this means is that now the doors have been blown off and like in your everyday work, in all of your callings and stations in life, there is deep eternal significance to everything that you do. You don't have to have the word Christian in front of it for it to be significant. So think about that. Think, you know, I don't care how you think about your job or how much fun you have at your job or how much it pays or how meaningful you think it is or how it compares to somebody else. Your job is a station in life that God has given you to work out and manifest his spirit for the good of the world. And so in that work, it has eternal significance no matter what you find yourself doing day in and day out. Because remember, we are now the most holy place. The Spirit of the Lord dwells in us, and so we take Him wherever we go. And so think about that. Think about the implications of that, that everywhere you go, everything you do is significant, is holy, because the Spirit of the Lord dwells in you, and we are taking the Creator and Sustainer and Redeemer of this universe everywhere we go and everything we do. Okay, so this is really beautiful. This is good news. Um, But now we're going to move into the second point, which is uh, don't get it twisted. Here's um, a couple ways that we do get it twisted, thinking about these gifts and how we work together and how we come together um, as a body. He says, verse 18 through 20, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so the the two ways that we can get it twisted, um, the first is that I don't like who God made me. I don't like the gifts that God gave me. I'd rather have your gifts. Um, It's really easy to think about spiritual gifts like superpowers. Like we have little boys, and uh, we've got a a book that talks about all these different superheroes and their superpowers. Spiritual gifts are not like, oh man, God just made me to run super fast, but I wish I could fly like you or, or be super strong. Um, That's not what we're talking about. Spiritual gifts aren't for us to feel better about ourselves, okay? Um, Spiritual gifts are not where our significance or identity come from. And we don't get to decide the value of these gifts because that's already been decided by God because these gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit, so their value is infinite. Because what they are is they are the Holy Spirit working himself out through you. So all of these gifts that God has given us are of infinite value. These gifts that God has given me are not for me. They're not to pump up my self-esteem. They're not to tell me who I am because who I am is rooted in Christ. My identity is rooted in Christ. That's not what the gifts are here for. Um, That's not what the Enneagram is here for. (laughs) You know, if, if you're like going through some Enneagram or other personality test exercises and you find yourself wishing that you were a different number, um, that means that we're in an unhealthy place. We're looking for our identity from this thing. This is just a descriptive thing. It's just to celebrate who you are. And that's what these gifts are for. Um, 
Your union with Christ is the only thing that tells you who you are. And if you're despising the gifts that God's given you, um, that actually is keeping you from abundant life. Um, I used to direct this program called the Charlotte Fellows. Some of y'all may have been familiar with the Fellows program, but it's like this first year out of college post-grad program, and we're, we're helping people understand how the gospel impacts how you think about every aspect of life. And one of my favorite parts of that program was for a few months out of the year, I got to sort of wear this career counselor hat, and we would, they would take all these personality tests, and they would be learning about all these different things and be exposed to all these men and women from different walks of life, different career paths, and they'd come and share their story. And so many, you know, this is just one example, but so many guys would come in and say, hey, I, I want to work in finance. And they wouldn't be able to articulate this, but the truth is, if you ask, why do you want to work in finance? Because that's what successful people do. That's what everybody thinks is cool. That's where I'm going to make the most money. And it has nothing to do with who they are or how God's created them. And so what I loved about this aspect of the program is that we would get to look at these personality tests and these gifting assessments and just have conversations and see what God's doing in your life and get to suggest humbly that maybe that's not what you need to do because maybe you don't line up with that at all. And maybe instead of living for somebody else's dream or for everybody to give you your identity through your work, uh, you can discover like who God has made you and go find a place where you can use and exercise those gifts on a regular basis. And so more than once we would have somebody come in and say, hey, I want to work in finance. And they would leave taking a job as a teacher and a coach because that's exactly uh, what they needed to be doing. And it's beautiful because when that happens, you just get set free. I don't have to fight against the grain all the time to try to prove myself. I can just be who God's made me to be and enjoy that because it is so freeing. Because everything about you is moving in that direction anyway. And if I'm focused on myself and these gifts, instead of, um, if I'm despising the gifts that God's given me, it also means that I'm focusing on myself and not living out of my identity now as a part of this team. Um, because remember, we're a body. It's, it's the diversity in unity. It's God's made us to function together, and we are a part of a whole now. Um, we don't have to live a fractured life anymore that's lonely and separated. Now we're a part of a whole in, in the most intimate way that you can imagine, parts of a body and how connected they are. This story uh, was just so beautiful to me. This, um, this Christian writer and thinker, her name is Marva Dawn. In one of her books, she tells a story about a, a good friend that she has. And she's moving around all over the place, like speaking and teaching and leading conferences and things like that. And this friend of hers is somebody who just has a lot of physical handicaps. And one of the things that's wrong is they have to go, uh, their kidneys are failing, and they have to go do dialysis like multiple times a week for multiple hours every time they go. And she said one time uh, she had just gotten back from this conference where the Lord had done a lot of big and beautiful things through what she had taught and, and done at this conference. And she was sharing this with her friend as they were waiting uh, for, in dialysis. And her friend turned to her and said, after hearing all that God had done, said, I'm so glad we are parts of the body together. And she said, why is that? And he said, because all those things that you described, I own them too. Like, that is so foreign to me to think, think like that. When I hear something amazing happening in your life, the first thing I do is I want to just think about how it compares to my life. Even if we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that is just how I've been trained to think. 
But think about the freedom. Think about the gift that God is trying to give us in thinking about each other as one body. Think about the freedom that can come when I can hear something from you and celebrate that and say, yeah, we did that. Because we're a team. We are a body. We are one body in Christ. And that is really, really countercultural. So the first way to get it twisted is to not like the gifts that I've been given. The second way to get, get it twisted is to not like who God made you. Um, and I don't like spending time with you. And I don't like who you are and how you make me feel when I'm around you. Um, that's never happened. But he says, no part can say to the other part, I don't need you. In fact, he says, when you feel like that's the case, when you feel like you're dealing with a part of the body of Christ that is handicapped or is not functioning, that's actually the part that you need the most. And what does that mean? Well, um, just one thought on that. Think about all those gifts that God is giving. Think about all the ways that Jesus is giving us himself through these spiritual gifts and what we need. I need wisdom. I need mercy. I need healing. And many, many times the way that God gives us those gifts that we so desperately need is through a very difficult person or a difficult situation exposing uh, ourselves for who we really are. Um, I had somebody in a small group many years ago who really irritated me. And um, it was my dream to get them to leave the small group somehow without having to tell them that because I knew that I couldn't do that. So they missed several weeks in a row. And I just took the liberty to say, I sent them an email and said, hey, it seems like you don't want to be a part of the group anymore. That's okay. We'll just catch you next time and effectively ask them to leave the group. That's terrible, right? And you know what they did? They wrote back and said, hey, it feels like you're trying to kick me out of the group and that really hurts my feelings. And so we met and we had a conversation and the Holy Spirit very lovingly but very clearly just convicted me in every way possible. And part of what was happening in that conversation was he was showing me like, Matt, you were so arrogant and you want everything to happen on your timetable where you're actually in control. And that, that actually prevents me from doing what I'm trying to do, which is much better than what you're trying to do. And you need this person. You need to learn how to love this person more than you love yourself and your own agenda and feeling comfortable. You need to learn to see that I can give you gifts and I can meet you in people and places in ways that you never thought possible. This is part of my program to unblind you and to open you up to what I'm doing in the world and, and just for you to be able to see in such, like you're seeing in black and white and this is all part of my program to get you to see in the full array of color. I mean, if there's ever been a time that we need to think like this and live like this ourselves and reflect an aspect of the Lord and his kingdom to the world, it's now. Think about how polarized and how separate and how divisive and how demonizing different sides of issues are to one another. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I actually came to do the opposite. I came, I came for people 
to be able to love and respect and see dignity and worth in one another so much so that when they disagree, they don't have to hide behind walls, they don't have to live in their own echo chambers to be safe. You can be fully out in the world. You can engage with anybody that you come in contact with and you don't have to be threatened by them. You don't have to be threatened by anything because the God of the universe is living in you. And he is working all things together for his good and for your good. And so that allows us to model this new life in this new kingdom where we can disagree, but we can love. And we can engage and we don't have to play fear games. I don't know what fear games are. I just made that up just now. But think about it. You don't want to play fear games, right? It just sounds bad. But like seriously, how we're just in desperate need of this and being able to see this way and think about the healing that can come through us in us. I mean, we need this healing too, but also through us into the world. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is, is what it is to walk walking in these gifts. What is it to walk in these gifts? What is it to, to really know and own and, and believe that the Holy Spirit has given me gifts that he wants me to use for the common good? Our passage says, all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who gives to each one as he wills. But God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So the first thing that we need to do to walk in these gifts is to experience the love of God for ourselves. We need to know what it is. We need to be able to hear the music first for ourselves before we can invite other people to dance. I need to know and have my heart moved by the reality and the truth of how God has loved me and how he continues to love me and how he continues to meet me in my weakness and give me exactly what I need. So I need to draw close to him. It's the first part of that definition of priest. I need to draw close to him and be close to him and not go away from him. I need to live and stay close to him and experience his love for me constantly. So that's, that's the first thing that we have to do to walk in these gifts. And then from that, we can invite other people to dance. From that, uh, that, to be loved like that is what changes me. To be loved like that is what actually gives me the ability to love you like that. And so now when I am engaging with you, I'm not just always needing something from you, whether it's validation for you to think I'm great or for you to think I'm a nice guy or whatever it is. I'm actually free because I'm getting all of that from the place that I'm supposed to get it, which is Jesus in his fullness. And so now when I engage with you, um, I can actually just have eyes for you. Like, what do you need? And I can have love for you. My heart has the ability to be open to love you and desire these things for you. And so this list of, of what these gifts are, I want these things for you now. And I'm praying for these things for you now. And not only am I praying these things for you that God would give them to you, I'm praying that I'm raising my hand and asking that he would give them to you through me. Like, hey, if you want to, if you would, would you just use the gifts that you've given me to help give these things to this person? I want to be used. I want to be a blessing to them. Whether that's a brother or sister in, in our congregation or that's 
a dude that we share a cubicle with who uh, doesn't know the Lord. It's for everybody. It's that I have this heart that is so open and so longing for you to experience what I've experienced um, and, and just desiring this good for you and say, I don't care how it happens, but I would love to be a part of this. Like this person needs mercy, would you just use me to extend mercy? This person needs healing, would you just use me to extend healing to this person? And here's something really cool that we learned about the spiritual gifts. Um, God says that he's given them to us, so we know that we have them. We know that the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us to give Jesus to the world. But also, a little bit after our passage in verse 31, Paul says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. You know what that tells me? It tells me that God's saying, hey, this thing isn't all finished and complete in your experience of your giftings. Like, if you want these gifts, ask me for them. Because maybe I'll give you some more. So to believe that, that God is, has given us gifts to use and that he will use us to manifest Jesus to the world and to ask him to do more. Give me more gifts. Lord, help me to, help me to be this for this person, Lord. Would you just use me and, and give me these gifts in any way that you want? But there's a hunger. Like, I desire this. I desire you to show up in these ways. We learn to depend on him and listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives. It says that these gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit, so I can only use them if I'm in tune with him and I'm listening to him and I'm following him and using him the way that he's instructing me how to use these gifts. So again, it's that drawing close to God and then inviting others into that closeness. It's, it's me being with him, learning how to listen, learning how to be loved, and then I'm inviting others into that closeness. I'm bringing Jesus to them, and I'm asking them, to like, would you taste and see that the Lord is good and that he loves you? And then lastly here, um, the way that we walk in these gifts that's really clear in this passage is that we get really close with one another. You know, Paul ends this passage with um, the part of the purpose of God giving us gifts in these ways, these partial expressions and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, is so that we all have to get together to experience the fullness. So you can know that you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit when you're being drawn closer and closer and closer and more intimately into the body of Christ at every level. It's, it's when you are here at Midtown, if Midtown is your church home, it's, it's drawing in closer. I don't want to just be here on Sunday mornings. I want to be in. I want to get to know people. I want to do life here. I want to jump in a small group. In your small group, it's getting closer. It's, it's not just, hey, I'm going to check the box and, and come once a week and have this conversation. I actually want to get to know these people. I want to move in, and I want them to get to know me so that they can speak into my life with their gifts. Because they are a manifestation of Jesus for me. And remember, like, I still need Jesus very much. Just as much as I did when he, he saved my life, I still need him. And so that at every level, in individual friendships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the evil one is always going to be working in the opposite direction to pull back, to have you pull back. Somebody's offended you, somebody's hurt your feelings, things didn't go the way that you wanted them to go, and so you take a step back. And now things are a little more formal, a little more distanced, and you just keep taking steps back and back and back. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is he is pushing you forward. 
Um, yeah, I know that happened. I know that person hurts your feelings, but instead of running away from them, go tell them that they hurt your feelings. Show them that you love them enough and care enough about that relationship to say, hey, this is hard for me. I don't usually have these kind of conversations, but um, I care about you and I want us to be friends and I want us to continue to grow together. And like when you said that last week, it really hurt my feelings. And I just want to talk about that. So make no mistake, if you're feeling the urge to pull back, that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit is always compelling you deeper in. And so as we leave this place, as you spend time with the Lord this week, um, His call to you and I is to let Him manifest Himself to you through other people however He wants. And let Him manifest Himself to the world through you however He wants. Because He is a much better storyteller than you or I are. Father, Thank you for uh, showing us in this passage that you don't leave us alone. Man, in so many ways, you, you never leave us alone. You have, you have come to rescue us. You have come to give us life. We are so weak and we are so needy. And you said, you know what? Because you are so weak and so needy, I'm going to give you a lot of gifts. I'm going to give you myself most of all. I'm going to spill my blood so that you could have life. And when I leave, I'm going to go away so that my spirit can come and continue to give you gifts through one another so that you can have the joy of receiving from me and giving for me. So, Father, I pray that we would uh, walk in your gifts, walk in uh, your presence this week in a way that uh, we can experience the gift of freedom from the prison of self-focus, Lord. Uh, that we would be able to... to keep our eyes on you, that you would draw our hearts and our minds and eyes to you to see you for who you are and all your fullness and who we are now in you, and that we could think about other people, and that that would bring us great joy and great peace and great freedom. So would you allow us um, to celebrate you as we continue with this worship service? Would you allow us to see you? Uh, would you allow us to uh, see other people? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.